you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 6 through 15. Uh, if you have not gotten a one-year Bible yet, uh, we do have those uh, right outside, so we encourage you to uh, get one of those. And if we run out, don't worry, we've got more on the way. So um, you can also go to oneyearbibleonline.com, and you can actually have it read to you. And also somebody told me uh, they even give you a synopsis of what you've read. And so, that, uh, so if you want a little more in-depth uh, study with it, uh, feel free to go on there as well. Um, but I hope everybody is moving right along, and we do have, in case you, uh, in case we do run out and you, you need it, the reading plan is in uh, this week's bulletin as well, and we were going to do that until we got all the Bibles in and got all the Bibles out that folks uh, wanted. But anyway, feel free to pick one up on your way out uh, this morning. Also want to say um, our, we have a new church center app. So uh, our old app will be servicing out and we will be going. So uh, we'll, some of those directions on how to do that are in the bulletin. Also our new online uh, giving is on there and so that's being changed out as well. Um, and I want to just say a special thank you to this church um, because of your generosity, because of your generosity, and we believe it just confirms that the Spirit of God is moving mightily here. Uh, we actually, you always see that budget needed in the bulletin, and that's a yearly uh, average going forth, and then budget what we've taken in. We finished the year actually $106,000 over the needed budget. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, Reverend Ecky Lancaster used to say churches don't have financial problems, they have spiritual problems. And uh, we know it's a spiritual thing, and, and we believe that because we're following God's call and we're doing what God's called us to do, that that is why we are seeing God bless in that way. But thank you to, for, for your generosity. Thank you uh, so much for, for giving this year. And we're looking for God to do great things this coming year. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 6. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, from the water, he saw the heavens parting, parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness for forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. 
repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now may it speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way this morning that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are starting this new series uh, called The Goat, and some of you may have heard Goat, what in the world is he talking about, or whatever, and I know some of my staff, it, it was like whenever I first said, yep, the next series is going to be called The Goat, they were like, what, The Goat? I mean, we've talked about a donkey before, you know, and, and we will have a donkey on Palm Sunday, don't worry, amen, it's a donkey, you know, but anyway, we will have that Palm Sunday, and, and, um, but, but we, are, we are talking about Goat. Goat meaning the greatest of all time. Now, I know that whenever you hear greatest of all time, different depending on what sports you like, depending on what genre of music you like, different things like that, different names will come to mind and probably come to your mind. I, I mean, whenever you think about uh, basketball, of course, uh, the number 23 comes to mind, and that's Michael Jordan. I know there's some LeBron fans out there that think he's the new goat, but anyway, I still think it's Jordan, but I'll just go with that. Um, you know, whenever it comes to golf, then uh, possibly Jack Nicklaus or Tiger Woods, different ones. Uh, and, and of course, when it comes to NASCAR, there was only one goat, and he's not with us anymore, and his name was Dale Earnhardt, right? Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. I know there's some Jeff Gordon and other folks, but anyway, that were out there. But, but, but we all know we can think of somebody, whether it's Elvis and music or Michael Jackson or whoever that we would think is the greatest of all, which Michael, anyway, but uh, not going to go there, but, but, but we think about the greatest of all times in different ways, and, but we're going to talk about who is the greatest of all time, of all time, overall, and there's only one answer that we can come to, and that is Jesus. Now, you may be saying, well, Tim, why are we going to talk about what he was great in and those kind of things? We're going to talk about that because if we are a Christian, if we are a follower of the way, then it, we should be striving to be Christ-like. And that's what the word Christian actually means. It means Christ-like. Like, like we are little Christ. We, we are supposed to be living in that way. We're supposed to be loving in that way. All of those things. And so we need to see in what ways Jesus was the greatest just so that we can strive to be or strive to do those kind of things as well. And so I decided to start with an easy one today. And we're going to talk about the greatest preacher. Now, whenever you think about great preachers, I'm sure that for many of you, the, your mind goes straight to the Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, the, the late Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. He did many mass crusades, um, uh, did, did great, uh, reached more, I mean, reached thousands upon thousands of people for Jesus Christ. And, and you can even go back and watch some of the Billy Graham classics sometimes, and, and it, it, you, you'll get hair will stand up on your arm 
arms as you see the stands just empty out with people that are going to the altar to, to give their life to Christ or to have, pray with prayer partners about that and things. Um, and there's no doubt he was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. Uh, you may go back a little farther and, and think about Oral Roberts. You may think about in the early 1900s, there was this guy by the name of Billy Sunday. And I mean, uh, I heard an old tape of him preaching and you talking about letting you hold it. I mean, he would let you have it and all. And he got the right name, Billy Sunday. But anyway, he, he would do that. Go back into the 1800s, there's this guy by the name of Charles Finney. He was a lawyer, then came to Christ. And then, I mean, not that lawyers don't love Jesus. I'm not saying that. But anyway, he ended up being, um, he, he came to Christ and, and left the law practice to become a preacher and all. And, and I just need to make sure lawyers, many of them do love Jesus. All right? But anyway, I know we got some out there. But, um, and, and y'all are awesome. But anyway, the, uh, but, but, but uh, Charles Finney was one. And then go back a little farther into the late eight, uh, 1700s, you'll find folks like, um, like John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement. And, and one of his contemporaries out there that what they say was the much better preacher was this guy by the name of George Whitfield. And they said that George Whitfield could bring people to tears. He was such a good preacher. He could bring people to tears just by the way that he said the word Mesopotamia. And that's pretty good right there, amen? And, and so he, he was that kind of guy. And, but in, in any way, of course, Wesley was the organizational genius and behind the Methodist movement and everything. The Wesley brothers were Charles as well. When you go back to the Bible, most likely when you hear preaching or when you hear the word preacher, most likely a name will come to your mind and his name is John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a different kind of guy. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He hung out in the wilderness. He wore camel skin, and, and it says that he ate uh, locusts and wild honey. Now, I just wonder if he dipped the locusts in the honey to make them taste a little bit. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, but he was definitely a different kind of guy, and he, was and he was out there, and he was baptizing thousands of people. They were coming forth all around Galilee, all around there to the Jordan River, and he was baptizing. And then there's this one day that his cousin Jesus, just like they told us a while ago, uh, that remember their cousins, remember they met way back when they were in their mother's wombs and they had the little Holy Ghost fit whenever, or Holy Ghost dancing in there and the joy of the Lord was there. And, and John the Baptist tells though, listen, y'all may think I'm a great preacher, but there is one coming after me that is greater. In fact, look at what he says there in verses 7 and 8. And he, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, John the Baptist, who was one of the best preachers of that day, possibly one of the best preachers of all time, says there is one that is coming that is better than me, that is greater than me. In fact, he's so much better than me that I don't, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loosen the strap on his sandal. In, in fact, I baptize you with water, but he's going to fill you. He's going to submerge you. He's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. And this one that's coming his name is Jesus and in this scripture that we see here and I used Mark because Mark's kind of like to get along Jesus and what I mean by that he gets along with the story 
And he doesn't, I mean, Luke, Matthew, they kind of carry it out a little bit, but Mark's kind of like immediately he went here, immediately he did this. I mean, he's like getting it, get her done. That's what he's, he's like, get her done. But anyway, and, and, and doing that. And, and so Jesus then comes to be baptized by John. And he's baptized by him. And then Jesus goes to the wilderness. And then he comes out of the wilderness and he preaches his first sermon. And his first sermon is short. Now, now I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I don't believe this is the reason that Jesus' first sermon was short, but uh, uh, an old friend of mine that passed away last year and preached revival here, Reverend Dr. Marty Colley, uh, would always say, Preachers, if you preach poorly, preach briefly. And your people will appreciate it. Amen. And, and, um, but that's not why Jesus is, was short. Jesus, because we know he later preached some longer sermons, Sermon on the Mount, like went on chapter, 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 you know. But, but he started out with this basic sermon, and I think it says everything that we need to know about Jesus as a preacher. He preached in verses 14 and 15. Listen to what it says. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel and so I want us to look at that this morning and what it can tell us about Jesus as the greatest preacher and you may be saying well Tim what about us that are not preachers you know what that word preach means it means proclaim so you know who's supposed to be doing that every one of us not just the person in the pulpit so every one of us are called to proclaim the good news, the gospel, and Jesus can tell us about that. So what made Jesus the greatest preacher of all time, and how can we strive to proclaim the gospel like him? Number one is this. Jesus was completely filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember, whenever uh, in, in most Sunday school classes or theology classes or whatever you've taken, you most likely some, in Sunday school or somewhere along the way, you have heard that Jesus was fully human and fully God. Now, what a lot of people get mixed up there is that he was kind of, and, and he was both fully human and fully God at the same time. A lot of people get it mixed up and think that he's some type of hybrid Jesus. You know, like a hybrid car, and it's like on a battery, and, and then it hits a certain speed, and it's got to kick in the gas and, and take it farther. That's not what Jesus is. He's not a hybrid where he's human until he needs some God power, and then he pops in the divine and, and kicks in. No, no, no. That's not what he was. He's not a hybrid Jesus. He is fully human while he's here on earth and fully God at the same time. And what he does as he is fully human here on earth, the miracles that he does and the things that he displays is because he is fully relying on the Holy Spirit. Now what that tells us is that we can see miracles happen in our lives if we are fully relying on the Holy Spirit. And so that next time, how many of you know that there's uh, something that, that we need uh, to happen, an addiction that we need lifted, a, 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 a problem that we need solved, uh, something that we need in that way? It's the full reliance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was going. Now, this was confirmed at his baptism. If you remember, whenever he was baptized, the heavens opened. Look at what happens here. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized 
baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down and shows and confirms that he's the Son of God and that he is empowered by the Spirit to go and do what God's called him to do. Folks, in our baptism, that very same thing has happened. The Holy Spirit has come to live in us. And whenever we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in. And, and, but here, here's the problem with it, is a lot of times we get that little dab of do you and we think we're good to go. You know what I'm saying? And, and all when God wants to actually fill us. In fact, He wants to fill our cup so full, He wants it to be like that old Michael Combs song that says, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. And, and, and He wants to fill us with the Spirit. That's what being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is that He wants to fill us full. And as Pastor Barry says sometimes, because we leak. We need to be continuously filled with the Spirit in that way. And if we want to proclaim Christ the way that God has called us to, then we need the Spirit working in our life, awakening us, empowering us, and, and healing us, and doing all of those type of things. And it only happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two is this. Jesus always preached the good news. Jesus always preached the good news. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says it like this. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now that word gospel literally is interchangeable with good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. It means good message. And that's what Jesus continuously was doing. He was continuously uh, preaching good news. Now did he leave the bad news out? No. Did he call people on the carpet sometimes? Yes. Did he tell the Pharisees? Did he speak to the powers that be? Yes. Did he, did he talk about hell? Yes. In fact, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible talked about hell. Sounds like it might be real. Amen? If Jesus, a lot of people are like, oh, I just listen. I just read what Jesus says. And I just go by what Jesus says. Well, he talked about hell. Might be real. Amen. I think it is. But the thing about it, that he, he didn't leave the bad news out, but he always would come back around to good news. He always came back around to what we could have in Christ Jesus. I mean, how many of you know that you, you don't know what treatment to give a, a certain disease or a certain sickness until you know what the sickness is? Amen. And so Jesus had to sometimes say, you have a sin sickness. We all have that sin sickness. We were born in it. We, we, we continued in it. It didn't take long. I mean, you look at a little baby. It doesn't take long for that baby to start saying, I want what I want. Amen? And then we just, now we got 30-year-old babies and 50-year-old babies and everything that's still saying, I want what I want. And we do that sometimes. And so we all have that sickness, and the only solution to it is what the band sang about a while ago. It is the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that was displayed to us on a criminal's cross. Amen? Whenever he gave his life for us. And that's the good news. And you know what? It didn't even end there. There was more. Three days later, he rose again. And because of that, we can have the life that He offers. We can have, and that is good news. That is gospel. 
And we need to understand that our story's not over. You may be thinking, man, I'm too far gone. No, you're not. You're never too far gone for God to work in your life. The story's not over. And He still wants to do something in us. It's always good news. And number three is this. Jesus always invited folks to a new life. You know, Jesus takes us as we are. You've heard this saying before, but he never wants to leave us where we are. Amen? He takes us just like we are, but he doesn't want to leave us there. And so he constantly invited folks to new life. He constantly, he, it, look, I, it was some fishermen that were by the seashore and they were washing their nets. And he said, come on, follow me. Well, he first told them to go throw on the other side of the boat. And they were like, oh, this guy's crazy, but we'll try it anyway because he said to. And then all of a sudden their, their, their nets are full and they're like, ooh. And, and so he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. New life. I've got a new life for you. To the man that had been laying by the poolside for 38 years, paralyzed, couldn't walk. He said, Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? I invite you to stand up, take up your bed, and walk. And the man was healed. He was made whole. Jesus was constantly inviting people, whether they were Pharisees, whether they were tax collectors, whether they were prostitutes, whether they were what was seen as the good guys or the bad guys or whoever. He was constantly inviting people to new life. And I want you to know something. That's why he said, he starts that sermon or he tells that sermon, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. You know what that repentance means? Repentance is more than just saying, oh, I messed up. I'll try not to do that again. No, no, no. Repentance literally means, it's the Greek word for it is metanoia. Not trying to impress you with Greek. I looked this one up. But anyway, the, but metanoia, which literally means a change of mind. In other words, a change in direction. In other words, when we repent, we are going towards the new life that Jesus is inviting us to. And we're called to share that. And I don't know what, I don't know what new life you need this morning. Because you may say, well, Tim, I'm a Christian. What new life do I need? I guarantee you, every one of us needs some new life somewhere in our lives. Amen? Maybe we need it in our spiritual walk. Maybe we need it in our health. Maybe we need new life in a marriage. Maybe we need new life in a family. Maybe we need new life in a relationship with our co-workers. Maybe we need new life. And look, look, where are the areas of new life that you can think about right now where you need it? Look, folks, today is the day we're going to renew our baptism. God is offering us new life wherever it is that we need it. And then he's called us to go and offer it too. I love John chapter 20. The disciples are hiding in a, behind a locked door, Jesus shows up, the resurrected Jesus. And, and of course, he has to uh, show Thomas his wounds or all of that. But, but before he does that, he, he shows up to the other disciples and says this. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The very thing that Jesus was sent to do, proclaim the gospel, we are sent to do as well. And he's empowered us by the Spirit to do it. And whatever area of new life we need, he can give it today. 
There, there's a story that John Ed Matheson told about these two fishermen. They were out there, and their boats were just a little bit away from each other. And one of the fishermen wasn't catching anything. The other fisherman was, uh, the other fisherman was over there, and he was catching a little bit here or there. And, um, and, and then all of a sudden started catching all these fish. And he would catch a big old fish, and he would measure it with a with a with a 12 inch ruler and, and he would measure and if it was longer than the 12 inches he'd throw the fish back and of course this other fisherman was sitting there what in the world is what he's throwing the big fish back most of the time you measure so that you keep the little fish right because you don't want to get a ticket from the game warden amen but anyway no he was throwing the bigger fish back and so finally the fisherman that wasn't caught catching anything rode uh took his trolling motor went over to the other guy and he said i just got to ask you why are you measuring those fish and all the ones that are a bit larger you're throwing back and the guy said well you see my frying pan is only 12 inches in diameter and every time that I try, I, I catch a fish, if it's more than 12 inches, I might as well throw it back because it's not going to fit in my frying pan. And the other guy said, buddy, I think you need to get a larger frying pan. And folks, I want us to understand that we can have a larger, if we just need to expect God to move in our life. We are the baptized, and we don't need to limit God. By the size of our spiritual frying pan. We need to get a larger frying pan. And whatever the need is in our life, ask God for it. Whatever the need is in your family, ask God for it. Whatever the need is in your church, ask God for it. Whatever the need is in a neighbor or somebody's life that you want to see come to new life, ask God for it. Let's get a larger frying pan and let God work in our hearts and our lives that way this morning let's follow the goat and share this good news with others let us pray Lord we thank you we thank you God for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives Lord we thank you God for how you are moving Lord we pray right now that whatever kind of new life we need, that tonight will be, I mean, this morning will be the day, will be the hour that we just allow you to work. Lord, we pray over this water right now, Lord, praying for your blessings, for your Holy Spirit. And as we remember our baptisms or as we think about what you've done for us, Lord, we pray that whatever area of new life we need, it will be given. Now, Lord, use us for your glory to proclaim your good news everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.